Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Okay, here we go. Covid and Company live from Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar at TI. John Von Tobel hanging out here by myself. Steve out in Albuquerque. We will attempt to connect with him coming up in a little bit. Of course, uh, UNLV in a very big spot on the road and um, consistently delivering throughout the entire season as a uh, pretty solid favorite against New Mexico in the race for potentially and this is the interesting part because it is November, and we can talk about this for UNLV, given the way the season is going, to keep pace in the race for a potential Mountain West appearance in a title game. So we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later. I know Steve's going to have a little powwow out in the hotel room uh, with him and Caleb Herring and maybe some others. Maybe Matt Nevert's going to hang out, and we'll hear from those guys as they are on the scene for UNLV's matchup with New Mexico. You can come down to, by the way, Golden Circle Sportsbook Bar, awesome spot. We have a full slate of games. We're going to talk a little bit more at length about what's going on with the NBA tonight because I keep calling it the NBA Cup uh, because that is the name of the trophy. In-season tournament doesn't really sound that sexy, uh, but the NBA Cup tips off tonight, so that'll be pretty interesting to see uh, if we can get some rousing competitiveness in what has been a very good association season up to this point. But, hey, you know what? That's just me. I enjoy the NBA more than the other guy. Demont Cotton back in the Finley Toyota Studios. And I'm here. I might sound a little sleepy because I was actually put to sleep last night by Thursday Night Football. I was not that big of a fan of what we watched last night in the National Football League, but it seems that no matter what we do, the NFL, despite how poor the product is, we're going to love it, and we're going we're gonna to tell you that we love it. So Matt Canada goes down to the sidelines, and everything's fixed. Pittsburgh Steelers get a 20-16 win over the Tennessee Titans. Classic Thursday night game, though. Not really efficient offense for a couple of these teams, but 5.4 yards per play for the Steelers and at least an opening drive that looks somewhat competent. But when you looked at what the Steelers did offensively, I always kind of thought this. When you as an offense have been struggling for very, very long, and you sit there and you make decisions like, hey, let's make Matt Canada come down to the grass and sit on the sidelines. Maybe that'll make a big difference. I think you're kind of at a point where you need to make a change. I don't really think that um, a change of scenery, like literally, right, your view, is going to make a, a big difference. But the Steelers, I guess, did. They were 6-12 to on third downs and they got the win. But I, I think when you look at what has ailed the Steelers up to this point, because they are an enigma when it comes to winning football contests, I think you've got to change two things. You've got to change what's going on with your offense because it's not skiing very well. And we're getting a growing sample size that Kenny Pickett might just not be that good. Yesterday for Pickett, 19 to 30, 160 yards, 5.3 yards per attempt, had just one touchdown, wasn't overtly efficient either. Um, so it wasn't overly impressive with what we saw with what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know, Steve, you were riveted by what we watched with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was falling asleep. I did not really care for the game, but I'm told I have to love the National Football League. (laughs) Which is something we'll get to later. Um, How about the Steelers? Let me go back to the middle of the week or beginning of the week. How about the Steelers trade for Kyler Murray? Ah, look at that. Look at that. Uh, They got to get somebody. Yeah, Kenny Pickett was 
They're winning in spite of him. He had so many bad throws in the first half, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, I, that's – look, I, I don't even want to say you took a risk because you took him in the first round. So, it was like it's kind of a big risk. But it was the draft that we all knew, right, where, hey, man, this class doesn't really look that great. He's the only first-round selection that year, and it's the back end of the first round. And he's looked exactly like what we kind of expected that class to be. It hasn't been that good. And it doesn't help that when you have a quarterback that is, I think, below average and an offensive coordinator that is below average to the point where, I don't know if you heard me, I was making the case that if your big fix for the offense is come out of the booth and come onto the grass, you've got some <laughs> yeah. really big issues with the way that your offense is being schemed up if that's one of the tweaks that you have to make. So the fact that they're here, despite the fact that they've been outgained in every single game, that, that, that Tomlin continues to work this magic that he does, I mean, yeah. if anybody's pissed, it's got to be Mike Tomlin. Give me a quarterback, and we could be freaking awesome, and yet here we are every single year. Yep. You know, it's funny. I heard you make this same point yesterday. About, <laughs> really? about Canada coming down from the booth yeah. on VSIN. Yep. Uh, that was during Cofield and Company. <laughs> Wait, Sounds strange to you that I actually yeah. heard you on radio? Yeah, how did that work? Yeah. Uh, Damon, remember yesterday? Want to explain to John why I left the building for 12 minutes? Oh, Subgate. That's why. Yeah, Subgate. Subgate. Yeah. Uh oh, what yeah. happened? Like, for, well, I would assume sub isn't like, you know, like port of subs. Yes. Uh, by the way, great job there. Very good job. Um, I saw a partially eaten sub in the break room with the wrapping paper. I wrapped it up and I put it in a box, like a little uh, basket with popcorn, right? Some, some, uh, it wasn't like open popcorn. It was popcorn in bags. And I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. Well, you know, I'm sure the person will find their sub. So then I go and tell it was Hop from Comp who left his uneaten sub in there. And he was, like, befuddled. He's like, yeah, he's like, I saw it there, so I threw it out. I was like, you threw out your uneaten sub? And at that point, I had to go into repair mode, so we got him a, a foot long, a meaty foot long. Are you serious? And, and he thought it was, like, the greatest thing ever. I'm like, dude, I took half of your sub. I feel terrible. We're like, we got to pay you back. Oh, so you thought it was, like, a community sub. And no, no, no. No, I was just playing a joke. Like, whoever oh, okay. left – Whoever walked away from an uneaten sub with the paper there, I was like, oh, they'll find it in the basket. And, yeah. But I never thought that they would think it was tampered with. Uh, I got you. Okay. But I checked the trash can on Steve's orders, by the way, and I could not find <laughs> this half-eaten sub. I think he ate the sub and told Steve oh, he worked that you. he didn't finish it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. His his genuine joy when he got the footlong, like the double meaty footlong, he, like, he acted like he was completely shocked. Like it was the greatest thing ever. So. Yeah. Because he pulled one over on you. He's like, wow, I can't believe this worked. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the themes today certainly should be the NFL is pulling the wool over our eyes. Uh, we're going to watch the Raiders and Giants this weekend. This is absurd. Uh, we know why the, you know, the Raiders are in an absurd situation now because they hired the wrong guy. There are some good games this weekend, though. For you, what do you hold most interest in? Uh, and you're going to have to get up super early to watch it, but Chiefs, and Dolphins in Germany or Cowboys and Eagles? Oh, it's definitely Dolphins and Chiefs. I mean, one, you get, and look, it's not like the Eagles and the Cowboys are bad offensive teams, but I know what I'm going to get offensively for both Miami and Kansas City. The probability that Dallas-Philly is kind of like a slug-it-out divisional game is a little bit higher, right? Um, and the other is just the intrigue. Look, Miami looks like they could be a Super Bowl team, but they're 0-2 against the type of teams that they would need to beat to, beat, you know, to win a Super Bowl. 
So I'm really yep. interested to see if they go out there and their lines of scrimmage get dominated again against like, the top-tier competition because against Buffalo and against Philly, their offensive and defensive lines have done nothing. And specifically, their offensive lines have been getting their tails kicked by these defensive fronts that they have faced. So if you do it again against Kansas City, it's a pretty good litmus test to tell me, like, all right, you're good, but there's there's a there's a line of demarcation between you and the teams that are at the top because you can't handle these matchups. Right, right. All right, so I want to give out some picks a little later as the show goes along. We're going to talk uh, to Mark McMillan here inside of about seven minutes. Damon sent over a story today, which for sports talkers outside the market is one of the funniest things ever. For those of us in the market who have familiarity with the characters in the story, this is dreadful, and I don't want, I don't want to go that far. I was just going to make a suggestion about, like, doomsday for the radio station, but I won't do that. Amy Trask just said on a podcast that Mark Davis has advisors for the Raiders gig. He's got some people he's going to lean on. Damon, would you like to break to JVT in the audience who Mark Davis may be leaning on as she called it a primary advisor? Jim Gray. What does Jim Gray know about advising? Uh, all right, I want to save this, but I just need to. Do we say have to this. go to break for you to compose yourself. I'm just going to say this right now, Mark. I swear to God, he better be advising you on how to run the media arm of Raiders.com, because if he's advising you on what to do with your actual team, <laughs> sell it. We didn't shell out the sell money. It. We didn't. We did not shell out the money in this town. To have, a, to have a team come here and be advised by Jim Gray. <clears throat> That's all I'm going to say. So it better be, hey, you know what I think is a good idea, Mark? I think you should have a Spanish simulcast on Raiders.com. It should not be anything to do with how that team is run. That's a nightmare. I love John. John with, that's all I'm going to say. He's also Demond, what do you know about Jim Gray? Uh, he, that he's also the co-host of Let's Go with Tom Brady. So, I mean, Brady's okay. got his tentacles deep into this organization. By the way, on Raider Nation Radio, how many months ago, Damon, you scoffed at me when I told you that Tom Brady would have some sort of power with this organization. We got calls and texts when I filled in on Raider Nation Radio about how I'm an idiot, that Tom Brady's not going to have that much of an impact as a minority owner. Ha! Eat your crow, because I'm right. So... <laughs> So now there's a possibility that the the man that the Raiders hated, Raider fans hated for 20 years for stealing their glory oh so many years ago with the tuck rule, he may be the most trusted advisor along with his friend in radio and TV, Jim Gray. Tom Brady and Jim Gray could be making the decision on who the Raiders coach is. Jim Gray, who one time in a post-boxing match interview assumed that the fighter he was interviewing didn't speak English and so asked him a question and then asked his trainer to answer, to which the trainer responded, he speaks English. Uh, oh, sorry, and had to go to the fighter. That, that's the guy who's going to help you advise this team. He better be, he better be organizing the menu in the press. John, box. be careful. He's already had a very successful run as a programmer with uh, local radio products that we know of. I don't care. I'd say it to his face. You're not, you're not fit to – no, no. That's, and by the way, let's just say, okay, 
the Raiders organization has not exactly been a smooth ship this however many years. So I think we've got to start maybe thinking about how we're doing this whole thing. And if part of your process is getting guys like Jim Gray to help you advise what you're going to do with this team, maybe you should rethink your process here a little bit because it's not really going that well. I will uh, honestly, this story, and again, Amy Trask is the one who said Jim Gray is a trusted advisor of Mark Davis. Um, upon hearing that, Q Myers and JT the Brick should be rolling over in their graves. And they're not dead. I'm sorry, that's one of my favorite lines, but now I got to use it with people in the building. What do you think JT thought when he saw this? It should have been me. <laughs> it should be him. Yes. I mean, it shouldn't. I mean, nothing against JT or Q. They should not be advising Mark Davis on who to hire for a billion-dollar property to basically run the thing. But Jim Gray, if this is true, Amy Trask says he's... Listen, folks, we could do two-plus hours on this, three-plus hours on this. We'll get out. Mark McMillan is on the way, our NFL Insider. It is Cowboys-Eagles weekend, so he'll tell us about that. And uh, we'll also get into his food adventures of late. It's time for Grillin' McMillan with ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider Mark McMillan on Cofield and Company. All right, he's back. Mark McMillan back in the fold with Cofield and Company on a Friday. Man, you have been doing so much traveling, so much cooking, in and out of town. We got to get a recap of what's going on. And then the, I think the most recent uh, cooking experience, you were on uh, Channel 3 this morning. What were you doing? Yeah, I was uh, cooking up. I was at the USA Today uh, Food and Wine Festival last week with Chef Tucker, who actually won season two of Next Level Chef. And we cooked up a barbecue shrimp dish with a corn mango relish topping. That was amazing. (laughs) The news got out. And then, you know, I was contacted by Nicole over there at News uh, 3. And she said, hey, how would you like to come on and do a segment of your cooking? So, I went on this morning, man. Had a great show. I even did some uh, some some brisket tacos as well. So I had barbecue, nice. I had lobster fried rice, I had brisket tacos. So the menu is just expanding. Wait, have you done lobster fried rice before? I have done it one time in my life, and I was like, you know what? Let me just try something different. You know, being on that show, Steve, you just got to just go and think outside the box. And, you know, I was like, hey, let me try it out. You know, just made the fried rice, and you just add a little lobster to it. And there you go, man, lobster fried rice. Nice. Um, was the, the USA Today thing a competition, or what was the whole deal around that one? Um, it was just, I guess, I think they do like 20 festivals across the country. Um, and Vegas, uh, was one of the last stops, uh, there in, uh, Arizona this week. Uh, so they reached out to me and Chef Tucker a couple of months ago and see if we were willing to do a, uh, just a collaboration type thing. So it wasn't a competition. Um, I think if it was a competition, I know I would have been mentally prepared and I know Chef Tucker would have probably crushed everybody and they probably went home mad because- <laughs> I'm actually in a really good food town. You know, UNLV is taking on New Mexico. So Ooh. we're in Albuquerque today. Um, and we've made a commitment, uh, Caleb Herring, myself, Russ Langer, Matt Neverett, to go like hog wild on green chili here. Ooh, so we're going to yeah. see how that we're going to see how that works out. Yes, that is. I've been watching Caleb. When you guys are out of town, I've been watching his tweets. He's been, I think you guys were in uh, El Paso last time. He had some good little Mexican breakfast. Uh, I was like, man, can you save your boy plate? You know, I, I tell Caleb, man, Caleb, I am watching your tweets, man, during uh, when you guys are on road trips. So bring back some hatch green chilies for your boy. 
Mark McMillan is with us, former Eagle, former Chief, Niner, a member of the Saints, also the member of the old Redskins as well. But Eagles are number one in your heart, and uh, I think the Cowboys are probably number 32 in your heart. So Eagles and Cowboy Week, nothing better than it. They're not even in my heart. The Cowboys are not even in my (laughs) And, you know, I I know a lot of uh, video has been surfacing, uh, especially the third and one. They stop them again, the famous call by John Madden. Uh, I know a lot of people have been tweeting that out this morning. So it was it was just part of a history, man, historical moment, being able to uh, – a lot of people don't know uh, who started that third one. So I made the play. I think it was Corey Fleming. Uh, they needed a first down, and I stopped him one yard short. And that's how the whole ball got rolling. So um, I heard I was on Good Good uh, Morning America or something like that. They played the, uh, the clip. So the clip is going viral this morning once again. How are you with the Cowboys now when you see them, former Cowboys at, like, golf tournaments? Um, we're, we're cool now. Like I said, uh, Eric Williams, you know, he does a great job. Uh, we had him on the show as well. Uh, Michael Irvin, I saw him a couple of months ago. Charles Haley, you know, we see those guys. But they still throw their jabs in there every now and then. But it, it's not like uh, old days where if I would have saw them in the club or something or at a, at a golf course, I would try to tackle them or knock them down or probably even hit them with the golf club. Back then, man, it was, it was personal. You know, when we played those guys, it was real personal. Now it's it's a different ball game, but uh, hopefully those guys can get that mentality back. And, and you got to punch these dudes in the mouth, man. Was there a cowboy back in the day that you really couldn't stand, uh, you know, bordering on hate? Um, I would say all of them. You know, it, like say, back then, it was, it, was, it was serious, man. You know, Andre Waters, I remember he got hurt. And, you know, we lost them through halfway through the season. And Emmitt Smith came out and did an interview. He said, bad things happen to bad people. And, you know, we really took that real personal. And uh, Andre tried to get back as fast as he can because we knew we were going to have to play the Cowboys again in person, uh, you know, that season. But, man, we Steve, we really didn't like those guys. It was really a dog mm-hmm. fight. Uh, you know, we saw each other in the offseason. It was grimy, you know. So now, you know, years has passed by. But I still do not like the freaking Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys suck to me. <laughs> And back in the day, you always wanted Andre Waters, Andre Dirty Waters, yeah, <laughs> to be on to be on your side. All right, give me a read on the Cowboys to this point in the season. They got smashed by the Niners a ways back, but man, they've been taking care of business, beating people up. Yeah, they've been uh, you know up and down uh, last couple of games. They've been blowing teams out. You know, they took their lumps against the 49ers. Um, the 49ers caught them at a good time, and you know, Dak wasn't playing too too well. You know, it took him a while to get better in the secondary. Um, you know, you lose Diggs, one of the top corners uh, in the league, to an injury, and you got guys that have to fill in, so you have to reshuffle your secondary. But they are playing good right now. Um, you know, like I said, on both sides of the ball, Dak is playing really well. Uh, C.D. Lamb is, uh, you know, the, the, catching the ball really well, so he opposed a, a threat on the outside. So, you know, they're coming in with everything that, uh, you know, we wanted them to have. You know, no excuses. They're on a winning streak. We're on a winning streak. Um, and this is the this is a division game, man. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see some fights in this game because it, it's it's a it's a lot riding on this game. And you know, you got my man AJ Brown out there who is just on fire right now. So hopefully he can find a matchup and Devontae Smith can use his his uh, weapons as well. Is it fair to say the Eagles have been good this year, but not great? Um, that's a fair statement. You know, we're I, I, we get we get so uh, spoiled. You know, we compared them to last year. They're just throwing up points, and um, you know, they had some some uh, some shuffling on the D line from last year. They they lost a couple of guys to free agency. So 
Um, you know, the secondary has been hurt all season. You know, uh, losing Devontae Maddox, who was our really good nickel corner, you know, lost him for the year. Uh, so, you know, it, it's uh, you lose Epps to free agency. So, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, happened from last year. But, you know, they're winning games. Um, I think the key game uh, was when they beat the Dolphins. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about their high-powered offense, had a chance to see it in person. They really got after them. And then one of the best performances, I would say, against the Commanders last week. You know, that was probably a really complete game. Uh, Jalen Hurts went off once again. And, uh, you know, the defense has to step up because our secondary is still giving up too many big plays. The run game has been good. Uh, DeAndre Swift's got uh, 571 on the ground. There's really not a second guy unless you look at Jalen Hurts. I saw you tweet about Derrick Henry at the trade deadline. Do you think Ooh. the Eagles should have grabbed him? Uh, you know what? If, if I'm Howie, you know – He's always doing something special, and I would have grabbed him, you know, because it's, it's going to come down to some late games that's going to be cold uh, in Philly. Uh, you know, I remember, you know, years back when they picked up uh, Blunt, you know, who was a thunder back that helped him out uh, in the running game down the stretch. Um, you know, John Swift has got a lot of mileage on him right now. We're going to continue to use him, but in the playoffs, you got to be able to establish the running game. And uh, even though the Titans lost last night, you can just see the impact that Derrick Henry has. Uh, on an offensive team, and defensive guys did not want to hit him in the fourth quarter. Our Friday NFL insider, Cofield and Company, is Mark McMillan, of course, a former NFL player, uh, Eagles and Chiefs and Saints and Niners and D.C. as well. Boy, oh, boy, what a crazy week in Vegas. <laughs> One, were you surprised by the timing by uh, Mark Davis with Josh McDaniels firing him on a Tuesday? No, I wasn't surprised. Um, you know, guys get cut on Tuesdays on your day off. You know, it's your day off, you know, so no better day to do <laughs> than when your day is off. And it was on Halloween, so there was no there was no treats for uh, for Josh. There was a lot of tricks, nah. but there was no treats. But, uh, you know, when you see the uh, your star players, Devontae Adams and Max Crosby, visibly upset on the sideline on national TV, um, as an owner, you got to really look at that and be like, man, what what is really going on? with these players, what is going on in the locker room? Um, obviously, he heard the, the murmurs of the media and the players, and he made the right choice, I think, at this particular time. Um, you know, there wasn't going to get any better. You know, we, we've seen enough of what uh, Josh was doing with the offense, you know, in and out with Jimmy G. I'm sure that's his guy. That's why he kept putting him in the lineup. But Jimmy G hasn't lived up to his expectations. And, you know, they go with the young boy, uh, the young man out of uh, Purdue, uh, so we'll see how that fares off. He got Derek Carr's number, number four, uh, brings yeah. back a little image for the fans. So I'm excited to see the young man uh, get after it. Um, being in the locker room yesterday, guys were playing basketball. Uh, guys were joking. Guys were a lot more loose. Um, have a really good relationship with Hunter Renfro. He was more relaxed, uh, smiling. Uh, you know, he had uh, all the cameras around him all of a sudden. You know, for for five or six weeks, no one is around him, but. I think the media and everybody knows how important Hunter Renfro is to this organization and to this team to be successful. Mark, what does all that looseness tell you about the regime that McDaniels was running? Um, you know, players were just tight. Um, you know, just even talking to them, uh, the way they do interviews, uh, some of the players are like, they were just programmed to just not give away too much. And you go back to who did he learn that from? Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't give you too much. And, when you have your players uh, in a bind like that and not being able to express themselves and and really, you know, give the media what we want. You know, we, we, don't, we don't ask for X's and O's, but, you know, 
give us a little bit more because we see it on the outside. As a player, you know, um, in the locker room yesterday, you saw those guys being a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more open, and uh, it's good for a player. You know, I've been in that situation where Coach Mora uh, left, you know, walked out on us in New Orleans at the middle of the season, and it was a kind of a tight ship. You know, there were some murmurs, but when he left, you know, guys rallied together, and, you know, we end up, uh, you know, winning a couple more games and, and just being successful. And by the way, anyone who questions Mark Davis's love for the team, uh, one, there were fans who came up to him and repeatedly and said, fire Josh McDaniels. He did listen to the fans and took their input. The other thing is, Mark, he's going to have to shell out about $40 million to move on this early from Josh McDaniels. So he wants to win. He hasn't yeah. always done it right, but his heart is in the right place. Yeah, I think people kind of look at him and be, look on the outside and be like, oh, he's you know, he doesn't look like the normal owner. You know, he's a guy that's always in the public. Um, he's always out doing great things in the community. Um, like I said, the fans were on him real tough. You can see some of the uh, footage of him in the press box. He was visibly upset at a lot of these games. And, you know, he's going to have to $40 million for a billionaire. I don't think he's going to sneeze at that. But to get this franchise back to where they need to be, um, because it's not, the division is wide open. You know, the Chiefs are showing a little bit of chink in their armor. So if you can just get a right coach in here, uh, pay him the money that he has to pay him, uh, put some really good pieces around these players, and you can have a really successful franchise here. And what better city to have a great franchise than Las Vegas? Uh, what do you got going on on Sunday with Channel 8? Uh, Sunday, we got, man, I, I'm sure it's going to be a hot show, uh, you know, with the firing of uh, Josh McDaniels. Uh, we got we got some cheeseburgers coming in the studio, so we'll be cooking up some some Cali Bomb cheeseburgers. Uh, so we're excited about that, man. Me and uh, Ron and Chris, uh, we host the Raiders pregame live every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on Channel 8 here in Las Vegas. Mark, you're the best, man. Glad you have you back in the fold today, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have fun this weekend. All right, appreciate it, man. Go Rebels. Don't get it confused. We not it's not a celebration that we, you know, we have a new coach and, you know, there's, there's been changes made. We obviously I think it was time um, one way or the one way or the other. It was time for some sort of change um, just to bring a little juice in and, and, you know, revitalize the team a little bit. And I think it's more of a mindset that we're trying to, um, you know, not force, but just have moving forward to to just be as positive as possible, you know, and we do have a change. So there's more of a, a reason, like a definitive shift. You know, we have, we have a, a thing put in place now where we can say, all right, well, you know, it's, it's, things are different now, but we got an opportunity to change it. So I think that's kind of the mindset we're having, just, you know, trying to have fun and enjoy our time in this building. Because I think, you know, as we speak to each other, it's been too much of um, just, this has just been feeling like work too much and not having enough fun. So we just got to get back to that. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. I'll just say Devontae Adams and the rest of the Raiders who are thrilled to have a new boss. It's good for now. Be careful what you wish for, though. And, and McDaniels, it, it looks like this was a pretty bad deal internally. Uh, not only were they losing on the field, John, at 9-16 and 16 in the McDaniels era, but behind the scenes, it looked like communication was terrible. And, uh, again, it was a, another example of little Belichick, and we've seen these guys try to work in other markets. And from Charlie Weiss, uh, I, don't, I don't know that Romeo Cornell was like this, but to McDaniels now twice, um, I mean, the Lions with Matt Patricia. Yep. Still one of my favorite moments in media history when – a giant slovenly unshaven guy is 
yelling at media people who were giant slovenly but slouching in their chair to sit up. It's like, what is going on here? You're not Bill Belichick. And frankly, Bill Belichick shouldn't act like that either, but we can go down that path uh, another time. But uh, more of the stories are going to come out, John, and it's not going to be good for Josh McDaniels at all. No, and especially when you know when you have previously failed. Okay, so before we got here, you, you failed prior in Denver. It didn't work out. You would at least think that you have to change the way that you operate because it did not work out the first time. And the most yep. troubling aspect of watching what happened out here was by all accounts, from what we heard behind the scenes, from what you read, it was a mirror image of how he handled things in Denver. And mm -hmm. the result is a mirror image of how it ended up in Denver. Yep. And that's the troubling part. Like, if you fail at something, you at least got to try to tweak things a little bit. But the fact that Some people can't change, John. Yep. And it's, and it's I a, mean, he, he said it repeatedly. In the early days when he got the job, I learned my lessons. I recognized what I did wrong. Did he? No. It's very clear that he didn't. And I would hope, because this is the troubling part. Again, this is a bigger picture topic as well. And I don't mean to, I, look, I, whatever. He shouldn't get another crack at this. And it's a sign of the way that the NFL works if he gets a third crack at, head co at being oh. a head coach in the National Football League. That you can continue to fail upwards and get shot after shot, where there are certain guys who fail one time and for some reason they can't really get another shot at it. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, not only should he not get a head coaching job, but unless it's part of the Belichick tree, I don't see him getting an OC job. But I also know I'm being absurd in even saying that because mm -hmm. I know, as you said, uh, he may not fail up, but he'll fail laterally. He'll get another job as an OC. Of course. That's how, this, that's how the NFL works for certain people. John, you know, I never asked you, how was, your, uh, how was the, your first of the three holidays during the season? Of course, the three holidays, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Was it good for you? Uh, C minus. Ooh. Really? Well, I had to work, so that didn't help. I got off at six. Um, by the time I got to said trick-or-treating um, extravaganza, I suppose, where we, you know, what we always do on, on uh, Halloween, which is go over to the wife's aunt's house, um, they had already left to go trick-or-treating. So I got there, we were there for a little bit, and then by the time you come back, you know, kids are kind of done and tapped out at that point. So uh, we just left. I swung by my dad's with the oldest to hang out for a minute, got a bowl of chili, and then went home. So, you know, C- brought up by the fact that I got a bowl of my dad's chili, which is pretty good. That is good. I had no idea that was a specialty. Well, speaking of that, the next two holidays are great because they're cooking holidays. Now, one is a gift-giving holiday, but they're cooking holidays. And we've got so many chefs on the show who are you know sports talk uh, sports radio podcasters writers and one of them is michael felder and i talked to him the other day and if you get his it's felder Substack, he starts putting up the stuff he makes i mean this guy is like a restaurateur he wants to do everything at home and i saw on his newsletter on Substack, uh, Substack, he was making turkey stock listen to this and watch how crazy he gets laying out all of the plans with his turkey stock during the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to do one more because uh, you got to do – I like to when – I, when I make mashed potatoes, I'll boil my potatoes in stock instead of just water so you get a little bit of flavor in there. Then the gravy I make for those comes with stock, and then I make a separate gravy uh, that has giblets in it that goes on the um, stuffing. Mm -hmm. And then when you make the stuffing, that stuffing also has stock. And so you need that turkey stock to go in there. So I got to make another back a batch of it. But yeah, I am. I'm in. I'm in. Listen, Thanksgiving. I'm. I'm all in on the Thanksgiving initiative. Like I. I understand most of your listeners are going to be like, 
once Halloween's done, it's Christmas time. And I'm like, no, Thanksgiving. If you ain't real about Thanksgiving, don't come at me. I'm real about it, as you say, but I don't do any of the cooking. So I'm really real about Christmas. I am freaking out right now that I don't I don't have 20% of my Christmas decorations up outside. That my plan was last night uh, that I was going to come home and start hanging stuff. I haven't hung any of it. Now I'm already behind and the Christmas season is ruined. See, here's the thing. I, here, my mom, and I'll say this. My mom was so great about this. My birthday is November 25th. It's my birthday. <sighs> my mom, she said, we will always wait for Christmas until mm. your birthday or Thanksgiving, whichever comes last. And so we never, I don't have November Christmas. We have Christmas starts when it's either my birthday or it's Thanksgiving. And then after that. And Christmas for me was miserable because it was just like going, like I grew up in a house of, and this is not a bad thing. This is how I think Christmas should be, by the way. I grew up, Cofield, I grew up where my chores on Christmas were go out to the shed, go get the stuff, bring it in, and then don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. Do not touch anything. So my mom set up the little, she set up the little town on the their coffee table and she decorated the tree and our tree year to year would be, maybe it was a gold tree this year. Maybe it was a blue tree this year. Maybe it was this tree, but it was like, don't touch it. You're going to make it back. Like we don't have, like I, my wife grew up in a house of like kid ornaments and like it looked all weird and like messed up. And my mom grew up in a house that like you could take a picture of it for like better homes and gardens. Like, oh, wow. Know? So like that's the, that's what how I grew up was like our Christmas tree is a statement not not a fun thing for kids and also don't touch it do not <laughs> touch it. it do not if you touch this you're in trouble I'm sorry that is one of the weirdest things I I don't do you know anyone who had an upbringing like that where the the tree is a showpiece and not, it's not for the kids what yeah I, I actually I, I know them pretty well they're my sons what do you mean. Don't touch the tree, okay? We're decorating well, this thing. It's not for you. We are doing this so that I can. It's not for you. No, it's not. It's so I can get into They're the little Christmas kids. spirit. No, it's it's so I can get into the Christmas spirit. All right. So leave it alone. <laughs> you can go under the tree on Christmas, but I like a themed ornament. So like you know, we have blue and silver set, or we got a gold and red set, whatever we feel like that year. We also have a smaller oh, wow. tree, so we'll just flip them out, whatever. So you got the mini tree that we put in another area of the house. We got the big tree that we put somewhere. And this is the most annoying part because I got a, I, you know, I got a less than two year old. He's going to be two on December 9th. Stop touching it. It's like a tiny little cat. It's, it's stop every five seconds. Stop doing it. You got to like smack the hand. Don't do it. Stop. It's for me. It's not for you. Don't touch it. I had no idea there were people like this. Oh, yeah. What do you got to touch a tree for? What, how is it for kids? You can well, hang I mean, an ornament other, here or there, but get out of here. The, the other part of what Felder said is they had no kids' ornaments. Yeah, that looks what? dumb. Why does it look dumb? Oh, here's this here's this like Spider-Man ornament in the middle of all these wonderful glittering like orbs of joy. No, it's stupid. Oof. We have You want to decorate like, a tree cartoon- to go get one. We have little cartoon characters all over our tree and we're both 50 plus. Nah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> There's you sports really, ornaments all over it. You should reassess your yourself and the way you celebrate Christmas. Well, here's what I've done. I actually, I went on a Christmas tree buying run after Christmas last year. I don't know how many, how many I have. 
I bought them. I was stockpiling them because I'm tired of having just one tree because we don't have enough room on the one tree for all the ornaments. So I'm going to have alternate trees all over the house. Multiple trees is good. Yep. Sacrifice one, give it to the cat or the kids. Well, my, my thing. You trust know, me. Don't decorate that. Uh, every every single tree is for the cats. Well, that's the that's a nightmare because that would well, be. I, well, I mean, the low hanging ornaments. You, they they yep. don't like go well, after they, them all the time. They all get knocked on the floor. Which actually, now I'm starting to think I'm not like I'm going to go maybe a foot and a half high in the tree, two feet high in the tree before we start putting ornaments on. Yeah. The bottom is just going to be blank. I would assume you don't have like ceramic ornaments because with the cats that would be a nightmare. We have, I would say, seventy percent of the ornaments are ceramic. We lose. Oh my god. We probably lose ten percent of the ornaments every year because of these punks. How many times have you gotten hurt? Like you don't cut yourself open on that regularly? I mean, everyone in the house knows to wear. You better wear really thick socks, or you better wow. wear slides or flip flops wow. or slippers. Listen, be- this this okay. As Felder said, and you just echoed. The Christmas tree is not for the kids. This house is not for me or the SO. It's for the cats. They rule the place. I'll have them. Come in on, you're smiling ear to ear. I guess I'm on Team JVT and Team Felder. That's the type of upbringing I had. Yeah, where same thing. I have no interest in decorating a Christmas tree at this point in my life because I don't care ah. about it that much. And yeah, where you're like, oh, this looks. Or even if you're trying to, like, help, I'll help put the tree together. No, 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 that one doesn't go there. Well, you know what? I'm done. I don't care. I don't want to help. Yeah, that, that part's – if you do have someone trying to manage the, the setup, that gets frustrating. Because they're, they're putting it okay. in crowded areas. Like, you know, like, no, it's supposed to go here. It's a bare spot. Put it there. It's, it's a nightmare. All right, next one. What do you think of his discussion about making seven turkey stocks? Oh man, I like I like that conversation. I knew you would be so into that. So I'm actually I maybe I'll save this for another day. I'm thinking about taking a big step this Thanksgiving. Wow. I really want to get the equipment to deep fry a turkey. Yeah. You may you know what? You may want to DM Felder on this cuz that's what he does. Yeah. Every day I go to the grocery store, I like not that I go to the grocery store every day. Every time I go to the grocery store. Um I see those big jugs of peanut oil for sale, and I'm like, man, I want to do it. I, I want to do it so bad. It looks so good. Damon? I think he should do it. It's do you delicious. like it? I thought you were going to ask for an invite. Do you like it? You like deep fried turkey? I thought you were going to ask for an invite. No, I love deep fried turkey. And if you have to outsource it, yeah, that's cool too. No. I will conquer this beast by myself. Okay. No, he wants to do it. Got a nice little patio at the apartment. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Oh no! Anything no. on fire? Come on! You're gonna burn. The yeah, just out. read the safety part of it. I mean, I will don't. prepare properly. I'm not gonna just like yes. all these videos you don't. see of the guys just like throwing the turkey in and throwing it's it like in. overflowing and, over, and everything's lighting on fire. Yeah. Like, no, I would take the proper <laughs> precautions. All right, coming up next, let's continue to get ready for uh, UNLV. Take it on New Mexico. I'm here in Albuquerque. John is at Treasure Island right now uh, on the Las Vegas Strip. Up next, we're going to talk to uh, one of the starting cornerbacks, actually one of the best players on the defense. He's improved so much after a middle of the season where he was in a bit of a swoon. But Cam Oliver is up next on Cofield and Company. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Well, one of the great stories to follow with the UNLV is on defense and not defensive backfield. And uh, Ricky Johnson was a guy who 
Sam Oliver talking about Ricky's bounce back. You know, Rick, Rick's a great player. He, he's he been, uh, he's always a guy who's just kept his head down and just focused and took every every snap, every snap like it's his last snap. So I feel like he's just been had a, a great amount of confidence because he can play and he's really good. So whenever he, he has that confidence, he's going. He's just, he's a great guy to stop. Am I saying this one correctly? Uh, with the last two games, uh, a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of one-on-one stuff, mm -hmm. which required you guys to make tackles in space. Mm -hmm. So how do you think you guys have done? I feel like we, we, we hit guys, so they know that whenever they catch it again, that they're going to get hit. So I feel like our swarm to the ball is our, is our number one thing on defense. You know, we've been, we've been doing a great job of not letting guys get a lot of yak after they catch it. So I feel like our swarm is a, is a big thing. Who do you think was the more dangerous wide receiving core uh, the last two games, CSU or Fresno? Honestly, if you ask me, I feel like Colorado State. Colorado State had a lot of a lot of more weapons. If you ask me, like Fresno, we held like some of their main guys to like only a couple catches for like 17 yards. So I feel like last week they they were pretty good. They were pretty better. Uh, looking ahead, I wonder what Mexico is going to do at quarterback because they've got a good throwing quarterback who had some pretty good experience coming in, but then they have a freshman last week who popped off a 99 yarder. So right. you might get two different looks here. All right. Yeah. You know, we're we're ready for whoever comes in. You know, our coaches they are they're, they're good on game planning and scouting other teams. So. I feel like anyone they get, any quarterback they put out there, that we just got to go out there and do our job. And when we do, chips, let the chips fall where they may. All right, so you played a lot of football here. And there's been some down seasons. And, you know, last year you were kind of toggling right there on the, the bowl game line. You got that done. Now you're in this new position. How cool is this when you go into a New Mexico game and you're like, we can't lose this game. Right. We have to win this game if we want to be in that title game. Right, man. It's everything, you know. This is everything we work for in the off season. You know, Coach Fish has put us through a lot of adversity, and you know, this is just one of those steps in the uh, bumps in the road where we're just gonna recalibrate. We gotta win this game, so we're gonna have it. We put our best foot forward. Build on that a little bit. We haven't really talked about uh, Coach Fish and the strength and the endurance. Mm -hmm. What happened in the off season? What happened during the season to make sure that you guys are mostly healthy? Oh man, Coach Fish, he put us in the off season. He put us in the moments that we. That he knew we would be in the season, so he just kept pushing us, kept pushing us in the in the hot days of the summer. We just went out there and we trusted him. And in season, he he does a lot of things work for us, like you know strength and conditioning. Does not do a lot of football, but he helps us with uh, you know like getting our bodies back, a lot of stretching, a lot of rehab. He he's a really smart guy on the body, so he does a great job. Down the stretch here, what are the next four opponents going to face in Ricky White? Because he seems to be playing like, at a top level. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew Rick could do that. You know, Ricky White is a great player coming from Michigan State. I see it every day in practice. I've just been waiting for him to pop off, and they got a, they got a, got a game plan for him because if they're if they going to take away him, then we got a whole bunch of other receivers that are, that are coming out. Yeah, what can defenses do? What does a cornerback do on that back shoulder? Especially the one, you know, there was one that was hit down, I think, the, the year sideline mm -hmm. where, I mean, it was, the ball was perfectly thrown. It was high, too, right. so he jumped up. Like, I don't know what you do as a corner. Yeah, it's not much you can do. You know, some offenses, they have – some receivers and quarterbacks they have great uh great connection and great chemistry so and Jaden and rick they have good chemistry they, they run out of line practice they throw a lot of back shoulders and they perfect it so whenever the time comes i'm i'm 100 confident they're gonna make that play and last one moving forward now uh you know we, we heard about uh, coach odom and all the cross training and making sure guys can play different positions there's gonna be some responsibility here on some young guys so uh cameron jenkins and then a veteran in trent holloway who played a season high 41 snaps the last time out right. so this week, they're probably going to be needed a lot. Yeah, yeah. They're, they know that their job is uh, mag magnified more, but I have great confidence in Trent and, and 
Cam Jenkins because they they put themselves in that position during the week and they prepared. You know, going back to fall camp, you know, the two spot practices that Coach Odom had us doing, I feel like it got them more prepared and more ready. So whenever somebody does go down, unfortunately, they're ready to step in and no lack of come off. Looking back to the beginning of your career, are you kind of not shocked, but uh, what's it like looking out there and you know having an injury or two and then having you know, a room that really has eight or nine guys because in the past that, that was not the case. You didn't have right. eight or nine guys who right. you, you felt really good about playing. Yeah, I feel really good confident. You know, they brought, our coaches did a, a great job recruiting and bringing a lot of guys in here who that can pick up the offense and also come out there and fly around and make plays. So it's it's really more comfortable in knowing that we have we have more dependable debt back there. 